John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is and was and is coming and from the seven spirits that are before God's throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to the one who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood, who made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and always. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, including those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. This is so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is and was and is coming, the Almighty. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Seems to be a lot of bad news out there these days. There's a lot of bad news in the news, issues of racial justice, different ways of seeing the world and the contrast and the conflicts that that brings. It seems to be, at least for me, a lot of bad news in my life right now. It feels like there's been a lot of cancer and injuries and, and deaths. So, and today our text is from Revelation, which you might think, oh, great, <laughs> been enough bad news out there. Why do I have to preach from that book? How do we talk of hope in the midst of a lot of bad news? But I want us to dare to do it. And I think that's what the writer of Revelation wanted too. So I'd like to begin this morning with a poem from the writer Denise Levertoff. Would you take this in with me? It's called Beginners. But we have only begun to love the earth. We have only begun to imagine the fullness of life. How could we tire of hope? So much is in bud. How can we desire fail? We have only begun to imagine justice and mercy, only begun to envision how it might be to live as siblings with beast and flower, not as oppressors. Surely our river cannot already be hastening into the sea of non-being. Surely it cannot drag in the silt all that is innocent. Not yet, not yet, not yet. There is too much broken that must be mended. Too much hurt we have done to each other that cannot yet be forgiven. We have only begun to know the power that is in us if we would join our solitudes in the communion of struggle. So much is, so much is unfolding that must complete its gesture. So much is in bud. Would you pray with me? 
Oh God, we sense those buds even when they are tightly sealed and we're not sure when they are going to open. Even when we long to see the, the full flowering of justice and belonging and hope and love in our world. We sense, many of us sense that there is so much more to unfold, so much more beauty, so much more of you. And so this morning, as we worship and sing and pray, and as I speak, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. You who are our rock and our redeemer, you who are in the business of flowering in this world. Amen. Martin Luther said, if I knew the world were going to end tomorrow, I would plant a tree. The opening chapter of the book of Revelation, which Gibson read for us, is, is not a common thing to preach on because it's uncomfortable these days. It's strange visions and language. It's foreign to our modern ears. But I will remind you that apocalypse, the word apocalypse, actually means revelation. It means a revealing, an unveiling of the way that things really are. When we have a time of apocalypse, when we encounter revelation, we, we see the bad more clearly and we see the good more clearly too. And as I've been saying, and you probably have been saying too in the last few months, feels like we're in a time of apocalypse. Things are open and exposed. We're seeing and experiencing where our systems are breaking down, where things are not working for others, and yet we're also seeing beauty flowering up. What does it mean to be a people of hope in this time, in this place? Theologian Catherine Keller says, apocalypse transforms the object of fear into the site of hope. Apocalypse transforms the object of fear into the site of hope. Apocalyptic literature and apocalypse itself isn't meant to scare us. It's meant to ground us and give us a bigger vision point us in the direction of hope, remind us there's something more. The book of Revelation is written by John, who is an exile to the island of Patmos. He's essentially a political and religious exile who really should have had no reason to hope. But he writes to seven churches to challenge and encourage them in the midst of the trials that are going on in their lives. He reminds them that their hope is in Jesus and the love and the freedom that Jesus lived and proclaimed. He reminded them that, that we are measured by the great love of God and that love will always have the final word. One commentator said this about Revelation and this passage. Taken as a whole, this opening salutation from the seer of Patmos subversively declares to a Christian community under imperial threat 
that with the Lord God, there is always more. There is always more, more transformation to come than the earth has yet seen, more power and authority than that claimed by earthly, earthly rules, more dignity for God's people than earthly rules recognize. I love that phrase, there's always more. That might be what you need to hear this morning. I think that's what so many people need to hear right now. That phrase reminded me of a recent conversation I had with someone in our church as we were both walking up the walkway one Sunday morning, and I asked how she was, and she said, I'm terrible. I've never been worse than this. And she said, but I keep going because I'm curious what's on the other side of all of this. And I love that. I've been thinking about that a lot wondering what more there is on the other side of this current reality might not even be something that some of us many of us live to see my daughter got up in the middle of the night to watch that eclipse the other night she said no one alive will ever see another eclipse like this so i had to get up and see it but we don't know what's beyond our lifetime we don't know what's beyond this present moment but i think hope is staying curious about that and staying in it and believing there's more, there's something beyond this. Brian Stevenson, who is, for me, a model of hope. He's the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative in Montgomery, Alabama, that advocates for those who have unjust sentences in prison. He says, hope is our superpower. Hopelessness is the enemy of justice. Hopelessness is the enemy of justice. And if we allow ourselves to become hopeless, we become part of the problem. I think you're either hopeful, he says, or you're the problem. There's no neutral place. Injustice prevails where hopelessness persists. Injustice prevails where hopelessness persists. And that's what the writer of Revelation is after instilling hope in the midst of an apocalyptic revealing, reminding these seven churches there is more, and asking them to ground themselves in that reality. Ground themselves in that reality. I have a story of relentless hope for you this morning. And as many of you know, uh, I do a lot of work in East Africa through an organization called African Road. I've been involved with them for the last six or seven years and I'm on the board now. And uh, African Road was begun by my dear friend and soul sister Kelly Bean, who is um, went to Rwanda and met a young pastor named Stephen, who was on the ground doing amazing work, caring for orphans and widows. And throughout the last 10 years, we've been able to help Stephen and communities in Burundi and Tanzania. We look for change makers like Stephen who are on the ground already doing incredible work. The kind of work that if we left and we stopped helping, they would still keep going. But we get to, to work together and partner together to see what's possible when we become friends. 
And African Road is deeply rooted in this possibility, this, this hope, confident hope, that friendship can change the world. One of our change makers is named Consoler. And uh, Ginger Holt and Chris Thompson got to meet Consoler when they went with me in 2018 to East Africa. <clears throat> Consoler grew up in a, a family where there was a lot of death. And so as a young girl, she got shipped around and she got left in a very abusive home. So abusive that she was left in a closet for months at a time. She was beaten to the point where her, her body is now broken down as an adult. She lives with constant pain. She has regular headaches. She has a hard time seeing, but she's completed um, two advanced degrees. Her husband reads to her so that she can finish her advanced degrees. She married this beautiful man. They stand in the, in the patriarchal society of Tanzania as a couple that are full equals in their ministry and in their life together. And she was determined that with her life, she would make sure that, that other girls did not have to experience what she experiences. So before there was any African road or much support at all, she began to take in young girls who were, who were adrift in one way or another. Maybe they were orphans. Maybe they had been abandoned by their family. Maybe they were in abusive situations. To today, she has 48 girls living in her home on a, a fairly large home, but not much bigger than most of ours. And these girls live and work together. They go to school, they support each other. She has seen hundreds of girls go through her care. And she and her husband, Aaliyah, help keep these girls moving forward in a beautiful way. They also began to work with African Road. We have a, um, a partnership with a young man in Uganda called Vikoba. And this is vigil, village community banking. And so it gathers groups of people, usually women who, who are looking to make more for their family and who need, to, need that support to help them build businesses. And so there's a group called the El Minka Women's Cooperative there in Tanzania connected to Consoler and her husband who has begun, have begun businesses and have begun to grow businesses and their kids are getting fed and, and they're able to send their kids to school. And it's been a beautiful thing to watch this happen. So that's Consoler. Four weeks ago today, actually, my friend Kelly lost her 25-year-old son, Elliot. And it was unexpected. And we were all in shock, the whole African Road family. She had, was in Rwanda at the time. And, and I called my dear friend Filbert, who's preached here. You all may remember him, an Episcopal priest. And he went and was with her as she found out the news. And we got her on a flight home. But as the news began to come to our change makers, Consoler was deeply affected. She began to have headaches in a way that she hasn't had. She had to take her medicine every day and she didn't know what to do. She didn't know what to say to Kelly, but it began to have this sense over the next few days that she needed to come and be with Mama Kelly, as they call her. She needed to be here and grieve with her. And so she told her husband and 
they thought, how are we going to afford this flight? And then she told the women's cooperative, these women who live in a slum in Dar es Salaam, working subsistence, just making handcrafts and selling them or selling their produce. And they all pooled together and said, we will send you to be with Mama Kelly. And they refused any support from African Road, refused any support from anyone in the US. Consoler had to, to go through a maze of, of paperwork at the last minute, which is not easy in any context, but particularly uh, in Tanzania and particularly during a pandemic. Her certif vaccination certificate was waiting for her at the hospital. A guy put on hold his two-week vacation so she could get it. She was waiting at the airport. She didn't have her passport. She didn't have her tickets. It came in about an hour before she was about to get on the plane, and she, but she got here. She arrived this past week. And last night before I went to bed, I was able to, to be on a call with Consoler and Kelly as they sat holding each other and told me this story. And they showed me that Consoler arrived with gifts. The, the Elaminka Cooperative had made keychains, custom keychains, wooden keychains for the mom, the dad, the sisters, the nieces and nephews, the friends of Elliot to have, give them something to hold on to. She had the girls in her home, all 48 of them, do a research project where they had to scour the internet for photos of Elliot. And then they took those, those photos, some that his parents had completely forgotten about, put them into a book, and each one of those 48 girls wrote a heartfelt note to Kelly and Ken and bound it together, and they have this beautiful book. This world is a world of enormous loss and deep injustice in our world systems. But there is more. There is this power of community to, where we lift each other up, where we together enact and see what is possible when we come together. When we find hope even in the deepest tragedy. And I believe that we have only begun to love the earth. We have only begun to imagine the fullness of life. How could we tire of hope? So much is in bud. Amen.